We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. We have a 49ers free agent take thought to get off. So we'll do that. And then we're going to regrade the 49ers 2020 NFL draft class. Because I'm of the mind that you can't really grade a draft until three years. That's just kind of the arbitrary number I pick. I think that's a good sample size. So we're going to go back through now that that class has had three years under their belts and uh, regrade every pick by the 49ers. But first, some free agency takes. Let's dive in. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Okay, so ESPN, I should say, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders wrote for ESPN uh, one free agent that every team should sign. And the free agent that he listed for the 49ers is former Colts, Raiders, Ravens, Vikings, Jaguars defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. And while Yannick Ngakwe may or may not be good at football anymore yet, I think he had 12 and a half sacks last year for, for the Colts, which is which is a really good number. But not a great all-around player, which is, I think, kind of what the 49ers more more want their defensive linemen geared toward. But I will say this. Before the podcast, we were talking, and you brought up Carlos Dunlap, who's a free agent. The Chiefs signed Carlos Dunlap, and he was really good for them. And I watch a player like Carlos Dunlap in the Super Bowl, and I and I wonder what, because the Chiefs do this every year, it feels like the, like teams like the Eagles do this every year. The, the Bucks, I think, did it. They just go get like players who are just like solid. And like, man, is that guy going to be a superstar? No. Is Yannick Ngakwe going to be a superstar? No. But he used to be really good. And he's still a productive NFL player in a given role. And that's the kind of signing that I think the 49ers are going to go make this offseason. And I'm very pro Yannick Ngakwe. I'm not anti Yannick Ngakwe. I would just point out that his next team is going to be his sixth team in the last five years. That's fine. That's fine. Right. But he sacked so, the quarterback. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, look, like, did the Raiders need a pass rusher pretty badly going into last offseason? I guess they, they decided to go get Chandler Jones, right? I mean, I, my yeah. point here is, like, teams that need pass rushers don't generally punt on pretty good pass rushers. And Yannick Ngakwe has been punted on by the last five teams he's been on in the last four years. <laughs> so, you know, like I culture stuff, like the culture, the locker room fit, all of that stuff really matters with the 49ers, right? Like that's that's sure. generally a common theme for throughout the last like handful of seasons, right? Like one thing that they will point to as a pillar of their success has just been the togetherness, the fact that they have good dudes in the locker room that, you know, everybody's kind of rowing in the same direction. And, you know, that's a really, I don't know if it's underrated at this point, but it, but it's a really important thing. And I would always go back to, to like the 2014 team as an example. I thought the 2014 roster that Jim Harbaugh had was his most talented. Um, But mm that was also his worst team by record. Right. And at that point there was all the stuff going on, but you know, people within the organization were not all rowing in the same direction. And I'm not saying that Yannick Ngakwe would ruin the 49ers season, but typically it's not a great sign for a guy and his personality traits and or character traits when just every single team that he joins that needs a pass rusher that pays him a relative premium is like, all right, we'll see you after one season. That's or even less than a season in the in the uh, Baltimore Ravens case. That's fine. He only needs to be in the building for one season. He yeah. can look he can he can look at Chris Kasirk and say, I see what you've done for others. And they got Arden Key paid. Yannick Ngakwe can't come in for a year and be like, all right, I'm buttoned up. I'm gonna go sack the quarterback ten times and I'm gonna get paid. He's only twenty eight. He turns twenty eight in three weeks. Yeah, I'm like, not there's denying a, there's that. a three or four year deal out there for him. <sighs> three or four. I, I mean not with the Niners. Right. He made $13 million the last two years with the Colts and the Raiders. Um, And I think he had 19 and a half sacks combined between those. Yeah, 19 and a half. He had 10 with with the Raiders and nine and a half last year with the Colts. And has played in 32 games. So he's not, you know, he's not, he's he's never missed more than it looks like two games in a season. Mm -hmm. So he's available and he's productive. To your point, probably not great in the running game and would probably be fine in a situational pass rushing role. Um, and there might be a vacuum for that type of spot with Samson Ebukam uh, potentially on the market in free agency. I would probably rather bring back Samson Ebukam, to be honest. Or, okay. you know, and or Charles, like if I could bring back Samson Ebukam and Charles Amenahu for the same combined price that Arden Key or that Arden Key. Uh, huh. Yannick Ngakwe is going to cost. Then I would, I would probably rather do that because I think Ngakwe is still going to be kind of expensive because he still is kind of a name, and I think the Niners are going to be pretty, pretty strapped from a cap perspective. Do you so, think Yannick Ngakwe is going to cost that much though? 
mean, he's gonna. It's a premium position. I'm guessing the baseline is gonna be like seven or eight million bucks. And you think they can get Abraham and Omenahu for that price? I'm of the. I I think I think. Well, I mean, Omenahu might get that much by himself. You think what? I think Ebukam's going to get that by himself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, I would probably rather bring one of those guys back then. Then. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. I was I was I was coming at this. I would too. Let let me let me get that. I I yes. But if they're both going to walk and they're going to get a ton of money from Houston or New York Jets or whoever, I don't I don't mind the Yannick Ngakwe idea. If Ngakwe wants to come on the same deal that Ebukam came for the last two years, then I think that would make sense. Was yeah. it two two for ten? Uh two for was it ten or nine and a half? Either yeah. way, it wasn't it wasn't super expensive. Yeah, I, I think that would be fine. Um, but obviously, like the 49ers have to be hoping, regardless of you know, if they sign an edge defender. It's two and twelve. Two and twelve. Okay, so six million a year. Like I would With, probably uh, five guaranteed. I probably wouldn't do more than that for Yannick Ngakwe, to be honest. All and right. I'm guessing there's going to be a desperate team that's like, here's eight, but here's eight per season, I should say, um, and eight in guarantees. But anyway, the most important thing for the 49ers at that position, aside from getting Nick Bosa signed to his extension this offseason, which is going to cost, I don't know. I like. I'm guessing Nick Bosa is going to command thirty to thirty five million a year. With probably eighty to ninety guaranteed, maybe even a hundred million. He's gonna get a ludicrous amount of money. He's gonna get an obscene amount of money. Um, which how, means... how do you, if you're the 49ers, just real quick, when Bosa's agent sits down and goes at forty, like just that's not how it goes, but let's just say it did, <laughs> and he goes forty. If you're the Niners, I know, like in the negotiation, you like lowball it, but how do you come back with like twenty? How do you not just go, how about 35 and we'll call it good? Like, just start at your top number. And I need to go look at the numbers, but yeah. I mean, what does bro- brother get? Uh, I don't know. Do you have if a you quarterback have Joey contract? Bosa, if you have Joey, you got Bosa's five and 135. Line, do you have his stat line? <laughs> I don't. Um, five and 135. 102 guaranteed. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, man. So, like, Nick's going to get. What did Aaron Donald get? Nick's getting five. Uh, Nick's getting at least five and 150 with like 110 guaranteed, I would guess. Right? Five and 150. So, 30 a year with 110 guaranteed. At least. That sounds right. At what least. Did, what did Aaron Donald get? Uh, three year. Oh, he got three and ninety five, fully guaranteed. Yeah, Aaron Donald did. Bosa's gonna look at some of these. You know, like that's gonna be. I think that's gonna be ultimately the snag, right? With Bosa's deal is what the guaranteed money is because now sure. players, particularly like this Lamar Jackson thing, players are now looking to get more and more guarantees. Like that was a whole thing with Aaron Donald. It wasn't a long deal, but it was like, no, I'm getting 90 million no matter what. Like if you're Bosa, you're probably like, well, 
I'm really good for you. I always come out to camp in incredible shape. I get hurt, mm-hmm. but it's not a product of like my work ethic or anything or my body being ill prepared. Mm-hmm. It's just like getting hurt's part of playing football. I'm your best run defender. I'm your best pass rusher. During negotiations, he's going to be their only pass rusher. Like <laughs> I want to I would love to be a fly on the wall and see John Lynch and Prague Marate's face when Nick Bosa walks in there with saying he wants 150 million in guarantees because there's a pretty reasonable chance he goes in and just asks for that yeah why would you not (laughs) hey how how goddamn funny would it be if nick bosa goes in and gets a fully guaranteed huge deal while lamar jackson is trying to do that on the same market that would be really tough teams would hate the 49ers if they did that yeah, I'm here it's for such it. A, I'm personally, I get why contracts aren't fully guaranteed, but like, I'm here for it. No, I want players to get paid too because what they do, all the work they put in to basically put their lives on the line every Sunday, yes, is like completely insane. Yes, off season work, in season work, right. And I would say in terms of like guaranteed money, like you obviously you're leery of giving any player guaranteed money just because of the, the, the nature of the NFL. But like, is it crazy to say that I would rather give Nick Bosa a fully guaranteed contract than Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed contract? I don't think so. I think I, I think that's kind of where I'm sitting at it because given the, given the, given the money you're spending on each, if Nick Bosa goes, I want five and one fifty fully guaranteed. If Lamar Jackson went to the went to the Ravens and said, I want five and one fifty fully guaranteed, they'd probably do it. Yeah, well, but thirty million a year isn't all that bad for right, quarterback. But he wants he wants north of Deshaun Watson money, which is right. the, yeah. The thing is with Bosa, and which is different than Lamar. Like Lamar is the injury stuff, which is which is obviously a concern. There are legitimate criticisms about Lamar as a passer and the type of offense that you have to run with him is is tailored to his skill set, right? Which is not a knock. I think it's just the, the the truth. But like Nick Bosa is kind of like the perfect defensive end. Like, what's Nick Bosa's weakness? Boy, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, it I was might be. Make, I was. I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to. Yeah, probably, probably mm-hmm. for the best. We, um, <laughs> but like, what's his weakness? Going left. <laughs> his weakness <laughs> on the anyway, field sorry. as a football player. Um, oh no, 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 no! Not talking about social media or, or points <laughs> that he might, may or may not have had as a teenager. Um, <laughs> I walked into that one. No, what is like, but the point being Nick Bosa is about as flawless as a football player as you will find any like anywhere in the league. He's an elite run defender. I think his run defense is super underrated. I know I harped on that all season long. There's a play that stands out to me from the Washington game in rookie year. That one, that sloppy one in the rain. Yeah, you were there. And the the commanders put him ran a play designed to put him like in conflict where he had to make a read and they were banking on him reading it wrong. And they were going to run around his side for a touchdown. And he just planted the guy with the ball. No hesitation was not fooled even a little bit. 
And it was like, oh, this guy's also very good at that. That play just always stands out in my mind when we talk about Nick Bosa defending the ref. He was like one of the best players on the team as a rookie. Yes, it was not even close. Remember, and, that, remember the interception he had against the Panthers? Yeah. Where he's just oh, rushing the passer and then at full speed stops and leaps and pulls it. Like, who does that? <laughs> yeah. And, and that play against the Saints where he was held and made the big stop oh, on a Taysom Hill run on third down. The Saints had scored, I think, three straight possessions, three or four straight mm-hmm. possessions in the first half. That was the first stop the 49ers got. And that was the first time it felt like, okay, maybe the 49ers do have a chance in this game. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. that completely swung the momentum of that game. So yeah, and Nick Bosa was absurd in the Super Bowl. He's he's just and anyway. What do you have like twelve pressures in the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, so dumb. But point being, like he's about as flawless as a defensive end as you would get, as you can get. And given all the work he puts into his bot, his body, his dieting, he's like football obsessed, right? Like Nick Bosa mm-hmm. is not is not John Morant, for example, <laughs> right? Um, so (laughs) just in terms of maybe off the field activities or at least social media activities um again i don't want to harp on this he's not even i don't even want to he's not even debo right yeah right so who's very active on instagram (laughs) so yeah i i think i would i would rather if i if i had the choice between two guys to give fully guaranteed contracts to i think nick bosa would be there for me before lamar yeah. And I love I Lamar. That. I love Lamar, but I'm just like just seeing the Deshaun Watson thing. And this is even aside from all the off the field stuff with Deshaun, just seeing it on the field. Like, man, mm-hmm. that's brutal. And like with with Denver and Russ, you know, like and I think Derek Carr is probably going to be at some point not worth the money that he's got from New Orleans. Right. Like New Orleans gave yeah. all that money to essentially still be in purgatory, I think. Yeah. My opinion. We, like, we 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 evaluate players based on how they perform in the postseason. And Lamar Jackson has been worse in the postseason when he's been there than even disregarding his rookie year, which I didn't he started halfway through the season and started that playoff game. But or did he start that playoff game or did he I come in like he, halfway through? I believe he did. But either way, it doesn't matter. Even in the playoff games since, like he hasn't been Lamar. Right. And so I think that there's some hesitation there because of that. I think there's hesitation because of his injury stuff. I get it. Like I would but, be hesitant to give Josh Allen a fully guaranteed contract. Totally. Yes. Like I said, I think Patrick Mahomes is the only guy in the league who could walk into his front office and be like, I want more than the Deshaun Watson deal. And they'd be like, okay. Yeah. I don't think there's any other player in the league that could do that. Yeah, Lamar's I, great. I, I I am a big Lamar guy. Anyway, Lamar Jackson. Right. Um. We got way off, way off yeah, topic. You want to do the draft class now? Hitting hitting on Lamar again. Um. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe. I would if they signed Yannick Ngakwe for two years and twelve. I'd be like, cool. If they gave Yannick Ngakwe ten million for one, I'd be like, yeah, it's probably a reach. Okay, that's fair. I would not. I would not pay him before paying Omenahu or Ebicom. I would like agree. for sure. Like that's not even a. But if those guys walk, I think he's one of those reclamation project types that leaves San Francisco and gets a gets a good deal elsewhere. Yeah, but more important than those edge guys is Drake Jackson developing. Right, we both agree yes. on that. That is priority number one. Yeah. Okay. In fact, that would be that's a good. I'm producing on the fly here. 
we should do that as a pod episode discussing the rookie class from last year and what they need to do next year. Just going through like young guys that 49ers absolutely have to bank on to Hell yeah. Develop. That's a great you know what that watch your feeds. That's coming out next week. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk uh, about free agency at some point. Yeah, free agency, free agency content will be out for sure. You want to do this 2020 draft class thing? Yeah, let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so the the reason we do this, I talked about this in the intro, but I'm guessing there's people listening who blow through the intro, which is fine. I think draft grades are fun. Like, I get why we do them, and I write them, and I get why people click on them. They're super interesting, right? But I think the real way to evaluate a class, a draft class, is once they've had three years. That's my kind of cutoff. That gives you a rookie year, it gives you a second year, and then a third year once you're really established to make some kind of leap. And you tend to get, not always, but you typically get an idea of what a player is going to be in the NFL after three years. So that's my personal cutoff line. The 2020 draft now has three years under its collective belt. And that was the year the 49ers only had five picks. They went Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk in the first round. Colton McKivitz, then they didn't pick again until the fifth round. Colton McKivitz in the fifth round, Charlie Werner in the sixth round, and then Jawan Jennings in round seven. Keep so, in mind, too, the big news coming out of that draft was the Trent Williams trade and yes. Joe Staley retiring. So they didn't have those picks. Right. They didn't have the second because that was a pick they owed the Chiefs in the D Ford trade, I believe. Correct. And then they traded a third and a fifth. They maybe traded- the third that year and the fifth the following year. Other way around. The fifth that year and the third the following year for um for Trent Williams. And then they traded a fourth, two fourths, a third and a fourth to move up for Brandon Ayuk. Yes. That also happened. They moved the exact, so they the moved here. They moved back from thirteen to fourteen, and I believe they got an extra fourth from Tampa out of it, 
which mm-hmm. they flipped to move up for Ayuk. They right. moved and up they, from 31 to 25. Yeah, they traded first, a fourth, and a fifth. 31, 117, and 176 in that deal. Yeah. So that's where they're at. They only had five picks. And it actually turns out, so when I went back to, to do this, I was like, man, I don't feel like they've gotten a lot from the 2020 class. But then when you kind of start to dig into it, actually not a bad draft for John Lynch and company. That no, said, all the entire class is still on the roster. Right, which is a, a big deal. <laughs> uh, but let's let's kind of start at the top. Let's go pick by pick here because it starts with Javon Kinlaw. And to call, to give the grade, it's an F. It's, absol- it's unequivocally an F at this point. They traded back from 13 to 14. And you were on the Tristan Wirfs train that draft for the like entire draft. You're like, I watched this guy from Iowa. He can play guard. He can fit in at right tackle. He's really good. They should take him. And instead, they trade back a spot with Tampa Bay. They take Javon Kinlaw in hopes that he could replace DeForest Buckner. And he hasn't, like, in zero ways. He's not even been on the field. And that's where this gets so problematic. Right. Like, maybe he's he flashed enough in his rookie year that I was optimistic going into year two. But year two, he was hurt for basically the entire year. And then this past year, dealing with injuries again. And you go to the NFC Championship game and you turn that tape on and he just got bullied. He looked like a guy that just hasn't played a lot of football. So maybe there's a leap coming. Maybe he's going to be a really good player for a long time. I don't think the Niners are going to pick up his fifth-year option and that pick has not worked out. It's just really tough for a dude that big to to deal to like have red flags surrounding his knees or his knee and then just expect everything to be fine. You know, like I, I would, you know, like knee injuries are always tough. Right. And like Frank Gore is always the ultimate exception, but I would say like, if I'm banking on somebody to come back from a knee injury, it's probably going to be like a smaller guy who's not going to like, whose job isn't going to be to take on double teams and like hold up at the point of attack. Right. Like, obviously, you would think that it's going to be really hard to, like, run routes and cut and make people miss coming off a knee injury. But I think generally, like, my my opinion is that it's easier to do that, come back from a knee injury, than it would be to just, like, all right, you're going to have 700 pounds of dudes bearing down on you, mm-hmm. and you need to not give up any ground. Like, you need to have right. low pad level and be able to anchor and, you know, stay there and Javon Kinlaw just hasn't hasn't been able to do that and frankly like there's the maturity stuff we've talked about it at length the thing with DeForest Buckner like I observed Bryant Young from afar right but I talked to a lot of people who who covered the team when he was there Um, obviously there are people within the organization who revere Bryant Young like DeForest Buckner to me was the Bryant Young of this era Mm -hmm. and I certainly think Eric Armstead has some of that to him. And the decision was, you know, in their minds, it was Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward, and Javon Kinlaw or DeForest Buckner. Mm-hmm. That's how they viewed it. Now, I'm sure it was a whole lot more complicated than that in real time. And they were not banking on a year later trading for uh, the right to have a quarterback on a rookie contract. They were still planning on paying Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. 
So they felt like that was probably one too many big contract and they still had D Ford under contract, right? This was just coming off the Super Bowl. So how many guys on the defensive line could you have on huge contracts? So they ultimately opted for numbers over the one guy in Buckner. But the really rough part about it is a year later, like the fact that they decided to move off Jimmy Garoppolo in essence, they probably could have made the money work with Buckner, which again, hindsight's 2020, but the bigger issue was that Kinlaw just wasn't the guy. Yeah. He's just not like, it just hasn't worked out and not hasn't worked out. Like, like Mike McGlinchey, for example, was Mike McGlinchey as awesome as you hope a number nine overall pick is going to be not especially, but like, he's still a good player, still a functional player. And he's going to get paid this off season. He's going to get paid to where Niners fans are going to be like, I, I think the majority of Niners fans are going to be shocked at how much Mike McGlinchey gets on the open market this off season. And those, I, I think that same majority of 49ers fans are going to be shocked at how difficult of a time they have replacing him. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be like a seamless, like, oh, they got better at that spot. Anyways, that's a different conversation. Uh, but Javon Kinlaw has just not been, it doesn't matter where he got picked. He's just been been pretty disappointing. And like I said, maybe maybe he bounces back and, and has a long, good career. But through three years, it's been uh, it's been an F for me. Sounds like you agree. Yeah, it's an F. And like, it's, again, like he takes every, I, Kinlaw is the type of person who takes a lot of criticism personally. And I think that might be an area of growth for him. And just like, no, man, you're a first round pick and you've missed a bunch of time and you have one career sack, one and a half career sacks, and you just haven't been on the field. Like, that's just what the business is. So, like, mm-hmm. don't take criticism personally. Um, but it's just, it hasn't worked out to this point. And like, frankly, like it wouldn't really surprise me if, you know, it's, it's the week one of the season and he's not on the roster. I'd be a little surprised, but definitely not floored. And honestly, like when you talk about taking criticism personally, I don't, this is not about him as a human. I know he's been hurt. Like that sucks. And certainly hope he stays healthy the rest of his career and plays every single game that he's going to play. But I also think that if you're an NFL player and you're looking at what you've done in your your career to that point, there's no chance that somebody who's worked as hard as he has to get to where he is goes like, yeah, I'm super satisfied with how I've played. Oh, for sure. There's no way he cuts the tape on and is like, man, I've played awesome. Does he think he can play better? For sure. And maybe he can. And maybe the Niners think he can. And maybe he'll be starting defensive tackle this year and play 17 games and be effective. But right now, it's just not been good. So yeah. they, they brought him in to be a contributor from the jump, not be some long-term project. And to this point, he's been a long-term project because of yep. the injuries. No doubt. All right. The number 25 pick, the Niners traded up to draft Brandon Ayuk, which apparently set in motion the dominoes that led to the Packers drafting Jordan Love. But that's a separate conversation. So Brandon Ayuk has been... I So remember that draft? That was the C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy... Henry Ruggs draft. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Uh, Jalen Rager, I think, was in that one. But yes. it was it was like the Niners had to draft a receiver number 13. And all the mocks had him picking Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy's a Kyle Shanahan guy. And C.D. Lamb, look how good of a playmaker he was at Oklahoma State. Or at Oklahoma, I mean. Uh, they went instead with Brandon Ayuk at number 25. And, and honestly, 
is he as good as Justin Jefferson? No, but I think if you swap him and CD Lamb, I think Brandon Ayuk is having a better career than CD Lamb. If you put Ayuk in the position to have the opportunities that Lamb has had, that's an interesting thought. I'm a I I I just the fact that Brandon Ayuk goes for a thousand yards in an offense that went through three quarterbacks and where he was in the doghouse last year for for part of the season and still wound up having a a, a more productive year from a from a yardage perspective than he did than he did as a rookie. Like I just. I think Brandon Ayuk's really freaking good. And the amount of time that he spends just wide open is insane. And if you told me that he took a massive leap in 2023 and put up like 13 to 1400 yards and seven or eight touchdowns, I would not be shocked at all. Yeah. I, I think Brandon Ayuk is probably the most underrated of all, like the good players we talk about with the 49ers. Yeah. He's always. Right? They're like throwing it's like Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. Like, oh yeah. Right. Like I Brandon Ayuk is probably the best third or fourth option in the NFL. Right. Okay. Here's a question. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> he would be he would is be he legitimate. Well, I mean, in terms of like name recognition. Okay. Okay. I mean, okay. You, look, you, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Okay. You know, That's we fair. can talk about targets and stuff like that, but I'm just saying, like, Brandon Ayuk, in terms of like a guy who has so many other players mentioned above him on his own team, I think Brandon Ayuk's probably one of the best guys in the league in that position. Brandon Ayuk is the number one or two on almost every team in the league. Yeah, every yeah, other yeah. team in the league, and it speaks, and it just speaks to kind of how ridiculous the 49ers skill position guys are. But right, I think this picks an A. Um, I, I think I agree with you. To to have a receiver who has 18 touchdowns in three seasons, like I guess 20 if you include his two rushing touchdowns. I don't know. I he's he is always open. Um, he's a guy that there aren't really any questions about when it comes to you know, all the off the field stuff that we've been talking about in this pod. Um, mm -hmm. He's going to get paid. Frankly, I'm very interested to see how it works out because I do wonder if they're going to be, you know, Debo Samuel's going to be a really interesting discussion for them this upcoming off season. Do they want to continue with that contract? And when his contract kicks up to 26 million, in in terms of cap or do they maybe want to move on and then pay Brandon Ayuk that money and then mm -hmm. go a different route at receiver? Because if there's a trend in the league, it's that, you know, you can generally find good receivers in the draft and obviously Brandon Ayuk's an example. So, but no, the, the pick to me is an a, I think yep. it's worked out. He's, he's a great fit for Kyle Shanahan. He's tough as nails. Yeah. Um, he's really athletic. He's a really good route runner. And, you know, like he's quiet, like he's he's very comfortable in his role. And not every receiver would be super cool with being the third or fourth option on a team and still being like a hellacious blocker from time to time and still like getting in the face of like, you know, like Brandon Ayuk is out there trying to fight people sometimes. Like it's great. Even in training camp, like just 
trying like, oh, Fred Warner hit his guy. I'm going to go try to fight Fred Warner, my own teammate, an all pro <laughs> linebacker who's got 20 pounds on me at least. Like, I'm going to go try to fight that guy because what he did was messed up. Like, that's I don't like it. That's like, and that's a good thing for Brandon Ayuk. So, yeah, yeah, I think the picks and A, I'm all in on Brandon Ayuk as as a football player in general. Me too. And if is he having the is that how how do I want to word this? Obviously, you'd take Justin Jefferson over Brandon Ayuk if you're the 49ers. You'd take Justin Jefferson in hindsight. I mean, he wasn't available when they picked, but I mean, yeah. if you could swap them out. Take I, him over Jalen Rager. I legitimately don't think there's another receiver from that draft that the Niners would rather have. Um, pondering. 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 Like, CD's been... Like, I don't want to disparage... This is not to disparage CD Lamb, but CD Lamb has put up numbers in offense where he's been, like, the number one. Like, he's been the guy. CD Lamb gets a lot of attention because of the team he plays for. Yeah, and, and that's not to take anything away from him. But like, if CD Lamb went productive, if CD Lamb went to Minnesota, it would be like, okay, CD Lamb's pretty nice. Yeah. But he's like, oh, CD Lamb's like, like Cowboys, amazing. <laughs> um, but he just gets he just gets a shitload of targets. 111, 120, 156 are his target totals from his three years. If Brandon Ayuk's doing that, he's putting up at least what what CD Lance putting up at least. CD does have twenty touchdowns. Yeah, he gets a ton of opportunities. Yeah, Ayuk has eighteen. T Higgins, T Higgins, and Michael Pittman Jr. were the first and second picks of the second round in that draft. Crazy receiver talent. Yeah, yeah. I just I I think Ayuk. I'm big fan. Also, right. like, oh. what happens big picture if the Packers end up with Brandon Ayuk instead of Jordan Love? Hmm. Interesting. Is Aaron Rodgers still, like, I I feel like had the Packers gone with a receiver that would have helped Aaron Rodgers right away and been potentially a, a 1 or 1A one guy with Devontae Adams, maybe Aaron Rodgers feels drastically different about the Packers front office, right? Yeah, maybe. Be like, oh, and you're Ray, trying to honestly, help me instead of replacing me. Like that's that's a pretty that's a pretty yeah. huge difference in terms Dude, of the way Devontae that turned out. Adams, Devontae Adams on the opposite side of Brandon Ayuk would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Do they beat the oh. 49ers in the playoffs? And I probably. And right. Maybe I don't want think. probably is strong. I did not mean probably. <laughs> Maybe. They'd have a better chance. Sure. Yeah, I I agree. Having a really good receiver instead of Jordan Love, who didn't even play in the playoff game. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a thought. Zero receptions. Uh, all right, moving on. Round five, pick one fifty three. Is Colton McKivitz a bona fide dirt dog out of West Virginia? Okay, <laughs> here's where this is where you start having to weight the pick against like the production, like the pick number against the production. Because has Colton McKivitz been an A-plus from a like, yeah, he stepped in and he was a starter. He was great. No. But he's been a swing tackle. He got cut last year and then re-signed and wound up starting at left tackle in a must-win Week 18 game and did fine. He's filled in as a starting right tackle. He's was the swing tackle this year. And when you're getting a guy who's been on your roster 
you're getting him in the middle of the fifth round and he's been on the roster and he's been available and now might be the player that you're turning to to replace Mike McGlinchey this next season. That's not a bad mid fifth round selection. No, I would I give it a I, solid B. I, yeah, I was going to I was going to say B. He's fine. He has he has guard versatility. He can play either side of the line for you. Um, and if he ends up replacing Mike McGlinchey and playing at a reasonable level this year, then it looks maybe yeah. even better than a B. But yeah, a fifth round guy when you already have linemen, like he, ideally you would have loved for him to like, you know, hey, the right guard spot was kind of problematic. You know why? Maybe Colt McKivitz could, but I mean, I know there's a bunch of different machinations at play there too. Like it wasn't just as easy as, Oh, give this guy reps here because they were like Jalen Moore didn't really play right guard because he had to get so much practice time at left tackle. And it was like, we're not going to play Jalen guard there because he hasn't worked there at all. And it could have been the same thing with McKivitz. Right. And I know McKivitz yeah. dealt with injuries too at one point. Um, but yeah, I think McKivitz has an opportunity to, to be a really good pick for them if he does end up and he's going into a contract year also. So it's contract year McKivitz trying to earn that starting job could be an interesting I, development. I know that because the Niners have had so much success in the fifth round, it's like a disappointment that he's not a full-time starter already. But typically, if you can get a mid-fifth rounder to just be like A, on your roster and B, in a position to take over as a starting offensive tackle, like that's a, that, that's a good pick. I could imagine I is the correct grade. Would it surprise you at all? Like say Colton McKivitz ends up being the starting right tackle and plays at like, say he's between light green and yellow on PFF for most of the year. <laughs> About an average player. An average to above average player. Would you be surprised if you're, if, it's like week nine and it's like 49ers sign Colton McKivitz to a three-year extension for peanuts, $8 million a year. Yeah, not at all. Like what, basically what happened with Drake Greenlaw going into his yeah. in, in, during in the middle of his contract year. Yeah. I think I, that, that wouldn't shock me. No, I think that's probably what the 49ers are banking on. Yeah. Like, okay, let's just have this guy be like league average to maybe a little bit better. And then we could sign him for well below market rate for like a starting tackle. Yeah, man. I, that, that I'm get if you told the Niners, hey, you can paint your perfect like right tackle offseason, assuming McGlinchey walks, which I, I, I think he will, he's going to get broken off some, but it's going to get that's the back. A, that's what I that's what I think they're probably hoping for. Because when you have you have top three players from a from a salary standpoint at left tackle, wide receiver. No, Debo is not the top three wide receivers, but you have top near top of market guys at left tackle, wide receiver, linebacker, tight end, tight end, defensive end, back, defensive end. Like at some point, you got to start to figure out how to cut costs over the long term with guys who aren't rookies. And McKivitz being a average, sometimes above average player, I think would help them a lot. Yeah. And right tackles his natural position. So he yeah. played at West Virginia. So I think that's what they're hoping for. But it wouldn't it it wouldn't surprise me if they wind up having some kind of battle there in camp and 
McKivitz didn't win it. That wouldn't shock me either. Solid B for me. Yeah, me too. Round six, pick 190. Charlie Warner, tight end out of Georgia. Supposedly the best blocking tight end in the draft per pro football focus. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on Warner. Because I called this <laughs> I, I called this a B minus for similar reasons that McKivitt's got a B. Warner has not panned out as this like pass catching, like, hey, there's secret pass catching talent in there. Because he wasn't super productive there at Georgia, but George Kittle wasn't that productive at Iowa. And, you know, Charlie Warner is more athletic than you think. And all this, all this stuff that came out about him. He's not been that, but he took on the second tight end position. He overtook Ross Dwelly for that spot last year. And if you're in the middle of the sixth round and you can find your backup tight end for a four-year stint, great. B minus. Great work. Yeah, I'll give it a B. I don't have any strong Charlie Warner opinions. Then why are we doing a podcast? I will <laughs> I will say there was there was like like when the 49ers drafted Charlie Warner, there was chatter of like, oh, the 49ers have their their Gronk and Hernandez combo now. And that it was, was lunacy. <laughs> that blew my mind. That was like, oh, just, okay. So they have a second tight end now. So now all of a sudden he's Aaron Hernandez. Like that's that's Check out his RAS Wild scores. To me. <laughs> Check out his RAS scores. It's like, yeah, but can he catch a pass? Can he get open? <laughs> if he was as good as Aaron Hernandez, he probably wouldn't have lasted till the sixth round. Um, but He's no, like, Damn like... It, he did it again. <laughs> First George Killen, now this. He's yeah. fine. He's, He's fine. your backup He's tight end. He's fine. He's generally been healthy and available. He has eight catches for 88 yards in his career. How many um, Charlie Werners are there in the league? He played 17 games last year. How many catches? A thousand. Do you think, how many catches do you think he had last year? Catches last year? One? He had zero. Two? Zero. <laughs> so again, that's not it's not a huge indictment of him because he was a blocking tight end and the 49ers had so many skill position guys. But like he's he's fine. I don't think they're going to be breaking off a new Charlie Warner contract before next offseason. Yeah, I don't think so. And if they if they do re-sign him, it's going to be one of those like one year, one and a half million dollar contracts. That yeah, he's fine. He's your backup tight fine. end. But he's like fine. in an ideal world, he's like your third tight end. Which is right. why they're probably going to draft one this year. Right. And and I do think it's probably an indictment of Charlie Warner because of like Every spring, we're like, they probably should draft a tight end because George Kittle needs some help. Well, it's like Charlie Warner's been here the last three years, but clearly no one's thought highly enough of him to be like, oh, yeah, they have Charlie Warner. They're fine. That's why I tacked the minus onto the beat. Yeah. No, I think I, actually I think you're right. But it is something. It's a six round pick. It's not like he's a fourth rounder who they're like, oh, this guy's. Yeah, no doubt. That, that's the thing is like if you can get your fifth, sixth, seventh, if you can get your your late round pick guys just on the team for four years with some kind of role. Like that's, 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 that's a win. Yeah. Agree. All right. Seventh round, number two seventeen overall, Juwan Jennings. I remember Jennings was on the practice squad his entire rookie year. And about the time they were getting ready to bring him up to the active roster, uh, he got hurt. He almost tore his hamstring in half is, is what, what came out. So he goes on practice squad. I already out for the year, but then has a really productive, second season where he's their third receiver 
big time third down target. And that just kind of continued into this year. He had a better year this year than he had last year. This to me is like an A plus home run seventh round pick. If you're, it's a triple. Brock Purdy's a home run seventh round pick. But if you can get a wide receiver in the seventh round who's just going to be your third receiver and is going to make catches in the red zone and is going to convert on third downs and can be effective at all three levels and be an awesome blocker, like shout out. Good for Juwan Jennings. That's a very, very good pick. 23 of his 35 catches last year went for first downs. Yeah. Um, And he was... I think 18 of them were on third down. Yeah. And he was like, you could basically call it out on third down. Like, oh, it's going to be Juwan Jennings here because defenses are trying are terrified of everybody else in the 49ers offense. What do you think about this nickname? Third and Juwan. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. That's really fresh. <laughs> um, no, I think I think it's an A to get a contributor who stays on your roster in the seventh round, I, I think is is overall um, yeah. a, a hugely positive thing. Did you know his first name is Benny? Benny? B-E-N-N-I-E per pro football reference. B-E-E. B-E-N-N-I-E. Benny. B. Benny Juwan. But there's two. There's two Benny E's? Juwan Jennings. Two N's. You B-E- said two E's. B-E-N-N-I-E. Okay. okay. Sorry. I was hearing B-E-E. I, okay. I, yeah. I'm, I'm good at listening. Um, How do I... Benny, yeah, yeah, Benny, Benny Juwan, Juwan Johnson, Jen- Benny or Jennings, Benny Juwan Jennings. Um, neither of us are JJ. I would point out, no, dude, you ain't JJ. <laughs> Let me tell you that much. Um, really good pick. So, zooming out, thirty-five of his catches, by the way, thirty-five of his sixty-five receptions in his career uh, have come on third down, and twenty-nine of those have gone for a first down or touchdown, and. The 49ers don't really have any early draft picks and you feel perfectly fine about their receiving court in large part yeah. because of Juwan Jennings. Yeah. Which and is... honestly, zooming out further, that's right. I'm going further out. <laughs> we just went through a draft where they had two picks in the first and then none until the fifth. And they churned out a number three receiver, a backup tight end and a swing tackle. And like that's why going into this year's draft where they don't pick until number 99, it's like, yeah, but you feel pretty good that they're going to find something there. Yeah. And zooming out again. Jesus. <laughs> we're we are so... We, we're so super away. zoomed out. <laughs> the worst pick in the drafts is quite clearly the first one. It's not even close, dude. I mean, their worst pick in this draft class was their first one. Yes. It's not even close. It's kind of crazy. But it again, maybe nice. maybe Kinlaw comes back and is awesome. I'm, totally. I'm not ruling it out. It just feels it just feels like the sign the trajectory has been going the wrong direction because it did start out positively. Like early on, there would be like a play game. You'd be like, damn, that was a monster rep from Javon. Mm-hmm. And be like, okay, like I, I see it, I get it. His pick six against the Rams was nutty, right? Like there were there were flashes. Be like, all right, you see it. And then when he came back this year from the injury and he was playing games, those flashes were not there. Nope. And they were quite the opposite of positive flashes. So that's that. Like the the reason for my sort of, I guess, 
I don't know if I'm being alarmist or what, but like the reason why I'm just not super optimistic about Ken Law is it just feels like the trajectory is going the wrong way. Yeah. I it would be one thing if he came back from injury and was like, oh, he's playing pretty well and he looks good. It'd be like, okay, that can build on that. There's not much to build off of going into this offseason. Maybe this offseason he's healthy finally and he gets to gets to work out and better himself and he comes back great. In which case, if he has a great year, we will redo this pod. But if he has a great year, we'll say he has a great year. I don't I don't think we're being unfair to Javon. No, no. I just think if he comes out and has a great year, then I just think you got to like redo the grade. Yeah. That's all. And also like, like a D. Yeah. He's a monstrous human. Giant wall of flesh. <laughs> For source. Um, anything Good else? Draft class. Good draft class. You can get. A starting receiver, a third receiver, and a couple of reliable backups. You'll take. How about this? How about let let's spin this forward a little bit to okay. to current modern times. Okay. What are the 49ers' needs in free agency? Not receiver. Could they use a tackle? Yeah, but Should. they're probably not going to pay the market rate for it because you have Colton McKivitz. Can you sign a tight end? Sure, but you feel fine with Charlie Warner. Again, receiver with Jawan Jennings, you're probably not going to. The one spot where you where you could use a defensive tackle in free agency, or yeah. the one position is defensive tackle that you could use in free agency. Yeah. In large part because you don't feel awesome about Javon Kinlaw. Yeah. Man. So that's wild. Bringing it back full circle. Free agency upcoming. Can't wait. So here's what we're going to do next week. We'll for sure have something out. Monday that'll hit your feeds on Tuesday because free agency, the legal negotiating window opens on Monday. Free agency officially begins Wednesday. We will have content for you kind of throughout the week and ebbing and flowing with the level of 49ers action and news that happens, but make sure to check your feeds. We'll have stuff out definitely on Tuesday after the legal negotiating window opens and definitely Thursday after free agency officially opens. But if there's major stuff in between there, we will have emergency pods hitting your feed. So subscribe rate and review if you've not done that. And yeah, I don't want to lay out an exact schedule because we just, I'm going to be traveling to three cities in four days next week. It's a good trip for you though. It's a good trip. Chicago's a good city. I like Chicago. Yeah. I'm, I love Chicago. I love the cities. I'm going to three amazing cities. The problem is, is that it's the Kings play a back-to-back in Chicago and Brooklyn on Wednesday and Thursday. And then they're in DC on Saturday. So great cities, not a ton of time in said cities, but it'll, uh, I'll have my mic with me and we'll make it work. It'll be fun. It'll be great. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear about all the awesome things you're doing in these cities aside from covering basketball. They'll probably be eating is is really what it's going to. Chris, what fun stuff did you do in the city? I I ate (laughs) my favorite. I I don't. This is way too behind the curtain, but whatever. My favorite thing when you go on travel is you send a photo to our group chat of the menu and you're like, what am I eating tonight? And then we break down our orders. It's like, dude, it's so lame, but it's one of my favorite things to do. I'm living vicariously through you. It may or may not speak to the fact that I'm. Like the last time I did it, I had been in Oklahoma City by myself for like four days. (laughs) I was like, 
please be my friends. <laughs> please, please Nobody allow me, me some human interaction. <laughs> that's that's kind of what that was. That's great. It's uh, I love traveling, but it's a little bit different when you're on your own. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review if you have not, and we will talk to you next week for free agency.